God bless you. It's good to see you tonight. Glad you are with us on this Sunday night. And uh, we appreciate you being with us tonight. Got a special night for you tonight. I'm going to, in a few minutes, talk about the subject, Is Church Essential? Is Church Essential? That'll be in just a few minutes. But we are glad you're with us tonight and glad that you're part of this. We do need to pray tonight and pray for our country, pray for our city, pray for our state, pray for those that are sick and those that that have special needs tonight, a lot of folks sick. And let's pray that the Lord will deliver us from this COVID-19 situation. And let's pray the Lord will just give wisdom to our leaders and pray for the nation of Israel. Pray for our world tonight. Let's spend time in prayer. So let's go ahead and open in prayer tonight. And uh, we'll pray. And then Brother West is going to sing for you again tonight. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Father, I pray you bless our time together. Thank you for those that are listening tonight. I pray your hand of blessing be upon those. Father, I just pray you give them a special blessing for listening tonight. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would just bless them for tuning in, for listening. And those that are on Facebook, those that are on the podcast, podbean.com. And Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I do pray that you would bless our country tonight, our leaders. I pray you bless our state and our city, our leaders here. Give them wisdom. Father, I pray that you would touch them if they're not saved, that they would become Christians. Father, for others tonight that have needs, those that are sick, I pray for those that have this COVID-19 disease. I pray for healing for them. I pray you deliver our country and the world from that. Father, I pray for those that have other diseases such as cancer or ALS or Parkinson's or dementia. And I pray for healing for them. I pray for those in our church family that have needs tonight. There's some that are sick. Some have other needs. Father, I pray your hand will be upon them. And now, Father, just do a work here. Give us what we need tonight. Open the windows of heaven. Pour out your spirit. For I ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Brother Wes, come on and sing for us tonight, and I think you'll like his song. Amen. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sign. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. When we all get 
get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Amen. That was kind of up-tempo, wasn't it? Kind of up-tempo there. Well, God bless you. And uh, Hebrews chapter 10 in your Bible tonight. If you have your Bible, let me encourage you to open it up to Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't, open your iPad up to, to uh, Hebrews 10 on there or your smartphone, however you want to do it. But Hebrews chapter 10 tonight. And uh, I was trying to figure out where to start reading this passage. And it's really kind of hard because there are so many good things in Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, I was like, I don't have time to just go over everything that's here. And I want to, but I can't. And so, um, you know, I've decided to pick up reading in verse 23, because really we're going to, you know, just kind of uh, look at one or two verses tonight and give you something there. And, and uh, again, tonight, I want to talk to you on the subject, is church essential? Is church essential? So we're going to talk about that tonight. And so hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. Hopefully it'll be an encouragement and maybe even a challenge a little bit to you. And so that is the whole goal. And so is church essential? And I apologize for that. My microphone uh, backpack just fell off my belt. And so um, we've been trying to fix this microphone thing. And, and uh, um, I do not, I got to tell you, I don't like the new mic system. I've told Brother West that. The problem is, is the mic I like it's illegal to use now because of radio frequencies. And so I'm not allowed to use the one I like and the new one I don't like. Let's just be honest. So anyhow, and uh, what I may have to do, is just go to this thing back on the pulpit again and say, hey, plug me in. And so uh, anyhow, whatever. But uh, so I apologize for that, but we're trying to make it where it'll stay. And if I put it in my pocket, it doesn't pick up well. So um, anyhow, so, but we're here. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10. Look down at verse 23, and by the way, I, I wasn't blaming Brother Wes, I want you to know. It, it's, the, it's the FCC or whatever they change the frequencies you're allowed to use, and, and so I said, I'd rather go back to this particular mic. Well, you're not allowed to use it anymore. Really? Right, so I am. Okay. Verse 23, Hebrews 10, verse 23, and uh, look there tonight. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he that uh, for he is faithful that promised. Verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray tonight and let's answer the question, is church essential? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the word of God. Father, I pray you use me to preach the truth of your word. And Father, I just pray that you get glory tonight. Father, open the windows of heaven. Pour out your Spirit upon me tonight. And Father, I pray that each one that listens to the message will get a blessing. Some are listening to it live right now. Some others will listen to it later tonight. Some tomorrow. Father, some later on this week. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would just use what is said tonight. And Father, I pray you give me the words. If there's something in my notes I don't need to say, Father, help me to go right over them. Father, if there's something I do need to say, it's not here, give it to me. Guide our words tonight, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, the question again tonight, is church essential? Is church essential? Now, we hear much in our day and age, in our current time that we're living in, in the COVID-19 pandemic, 
we hear much about what businesses are essential and what businesses are not essential. We are hearing that. And, you know, you hear certain businesses have to shut down because, quote, unquote, they're not essential. And some are allowed to stay open or, re, or have to stay open because they are essential. Well, the question is even bled over into churches. And the question has come, are churches essential? Well, in this hour, I want to look at that question. But I got to tell you, I want to look at it a little bit differently tonight. I do not want to look at it at a society or a government from a society or government point of view. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into the argument tonight whether the, whether churches are essential or not. I'm not going to get into the Bill of Rights question tonight. I'm not going to get into any of that. What I want to look at tonight is this. And specifically, I want to aim this at Christians. Christians, did you catch what I said? I want to look at it from a Christian viewpoint, and I want to look specifically with Christians in view. I, that's how I want to look at that question, with the Christian in view. Again, I want to look at it with the Christian in view. Now, catch that and understand what I'm saying. So the first question I have to ask right here, if you're listening to me tonight and we're talking about his church essential and we're looking at it with the Christian in view, the first question I have to ask is, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Now, let me tell you, that's a yes or no answer. It's either yes, you are, or no, you are not. It's like this, saved. Are you saved? Yes or no? It is not, well, I'm somewhere in between, Brother Scott. No, you're either saved or you're not saved. You're lost. You're either, you either have eternal life with God in heaven one of these days when death comes, or you do not have it. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 states, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So you either have eternal life or you do not have it. You're either saved or you're lost. You either are a Christian or you're not a Christian. It's kind of like being married. You're either married or you're not married. You know, it's one or the other. You either are married or you're not married. And by the way, there's no in between there. There's no in between. This, I know today we have a lot of people that live together unmarried. That's still sinful in the eyes of God, by the way. You realize that. And uh, so it's either, yes, you're married or no, you're not married. So it's one or the other. That's the way salvation is. You're either saved and you're a Christian or you're not saved and you're not a Christian. There's no in-between there. Now, if you're not saved and you're not a Christian, the number one thing for you tonight is you need to get saved. You need to make Jesus Christ your personal Savior. And can I tell you, God loved you so much, and He loves you right now so much that He gave His Son Jesus to leave the glory of heaven, to come to this earth, to go to the cross, to die for you on Calvary's cross and to be buried and rise again the third day so that you could have a relationship with Him, so you could have your sins forgiven, so that you could have eternity in heaven one of these days. That's why He did that. That's why He did it. And if you're willing to admit your need of Christ, that you're a sinner who cannot save yourself, who needs a Savior, you're willing to believe on Jesus Christ, believe on who He is, that He died for you, rose again for you, and you're willing to confess Him and call out to Him in faith with a repentant heart, he will save you, friend. He will save you. So that's the first thing. Now, so if you answer no, the first thing is you need to be saved. But if you answered yes in this hour, yes, that you are a Christian, this message is specifically for you. Think about that for a minute. This message is specifically for you. Now, if you're lost, let me encourage you. Hang around. I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll be able to teach you something about the church tonight. But for the Christianite and for everyone listening, I want to give you three thoughts around this subject. Is 
church important? Is church important? Think about that. Number one, three thoughts tonight. Number one, some quote-unquote Christians already treat church as non-essential. Now think about that. We're asking the question tonight, is church essential? Is it important for the Christian? I'm here to tell you, number one, some Christians already treat church as non-essential. Some already treat it as not essential. I was reading a Tribune article from the Baptist Bible Tribune, and Joshua Emler wrote this. He said a family who had been a part of our congregation for years came to me and said they would no longer be part of our church. I asked them if there was anything wrong, and they said no. So I probed a little deeper and asked if they would attend somewhere else. They responded they wouldn't be attending any, anywhere else since they no longer felt like church was essential them. Did you catch that? They no longer felt that church was essential for year, for them. He went on to say this. He said, as a pastor for nearly 20 years, I wish I could say this was an isolated incident, but unfortunately, he said, the situation is all too common. Now, folks, in my 30 years of pastoral ministry, I've never had anybody come to me and tell me that they had not found church was not essential for them. They have not just been that brazen. They've usually found another excuse for leaving or something like that or not coming to church or whatever. They usually found something else. But it's sad many people are in that similar predicament. Many people are in that boat. You say, you say, Brother Scott, what do you mean? They treat church as not essential. There are a lot of people today that do. They claim to be Christians, but they treat church as not essential for themselves. You say, how do they do that? How do they do that? Well, number one, some people that are Christians are not part of a church family. They're not part of a church. They claim to be saved. They claim to be a child of God, but they have never aligned themselves with a church. Therefore, you know what they're doing? They're treating it as not essential. I put down a second thing. Some people uh, treat church as not essential by not attending church. In fact, that's what he's talking about in verse 25. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. There are some that fit right in verse 25 where they do not uh, assemble with God's people regularly. They're saved. They may be members of a church or something like that, but they do not treat church as essential. I put down a third thing here. How do people treat church as non-essential? They do it by not being faithful. You know, some people are part of a church. They're a member of a church, but they're not faithful to their church. They're not faithful. They go when it's convenient, or they go unless something else comes up, or they find other things that are more important, or they don't feel like going, or they come up with some excuse not to go, not to go. You know, one of the things I've I've often been tempted to do, and I've never done it, but I have been tempted to do it, is just one Sunday not show up and watch everybody get upset. Where's the preacher? Why isn't he here? And I would just come in the next service and say, and they'll say, well, where were you at? Nobody was here to preach. Nobody was here to do that. Nobody was here to, you know, where were you at? I'll say, well, I decided just be like the rest of y'all, not show up. Ooh, that would get upset, upsetting to some, would it not? Would that cause a stir or what? Well, Brother Scott, you shouldn't say it like that. Well, good night. I've had people that are Sunday school teachers not show up, not call, not do a thing. I mean, what about a bus route? What if the bus driver just didn't show up on Sunday? And all these people waiting to get picked up. I mean, what about it? Think about it. What about junior church workers? Things like that. You know, and and we could go down the list. But folks, what am I saying? Some people, yes, they're part of a church. They have a church family, but they're just not faithful to it. They're not faithful. 
Then I put down another thing. How do people treat the church as not essential? They treat it by the lack of their support. The lack of their support. They may come, but you know what? When help is needed, they're nowhere to be found. You know, when you ask for help doing certain projects or doing certain things or, or certain ministries need workers, you know what? Uh-uh. They just want to attend. They just want to warm up. <laughs> one of the things we were, and, and I, I almost said something there, uh, you know, but one of the things that we are talking about right now, we've had a chance to sit back and look at our church and look at our church family and talk about how can we be more effective and things like that. We've looked at a lot of things. One of the things I was thinking about was new seating in our auditorium here. Now, don't everybody panic. You know, we haven't made any decisions yet. Well, I'd vote on that as a church. But, you know, one of the things I was looking at is, you know, new seating. We were talking about, well, what size seat should we have? And, and you know, we were talking about, you know, they how few companies gauge seats, you know, 18 inches or 22 inches. And, and we were talking about 22-inch seats. And, you know, some people, all they do is come and occupy their, their place in that 18 or 22 inch seat. That's all they do. You know, they don't want to get involved. You know, they don't want to support it. You know, they don't want to support their church financially, you know, with tithes and offerings. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, know me. I am not a beggar. I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to get up and beg for money. I don't believe God's work and God's people have to beg for money. I don't believe that. I'm not going to sell bricks, you know. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. But, you know, and, and I'm not going to promise if you give, you're going to get wealthy. I'm not going to promise that, you know. But I know this. I know the Bible says tithe and prove God if he'll not take care of you. I know the Bible says in Luke 6, give and it shall be given unto you. I understand that. You know, and by the way, I thank God right now. We've got people that are faithful to give even during the shutdown. They're sending offerings in either through the mail or through the online giving or, or dropping offerings off or calling people to have come pick it up or something like that. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. You know, because when this thing first started, I started thinking, you know, okay, how can we cut expenses? How can we do this? How can we do that? I even thought about cutting salaries, you know, mine first and uh, thought about that. But, you know, thank God we haven't had to do any of that. And, and, uh, you know, God has been good, you know, and we're even right now, you know, we've cut our expenses, but right now we're spending extra money to get ready for opening, you know, putting, uh, in fact, I was talking to somebody today. I said, we're looking at probably a thousand dollars worth of extra stuff just to, to get ready for opening touchless, uh, hand sanitizer, touchless soap dispensers, uh, you know, um, new, uh, um, paper towel dispensers. We're talking some other things right now too. Who knows, you know? But I, you know, some people, they don't give to their church, you know, and, and they don't, they don't give to it. And, you know, I think people ought to be tithers and givers, but some people, they don't, they, they must think their church is non-essential, you know, or I put down a fifth thing and, and, and I know somebody saying, bro, Scott, you've quit preaching and gone to Medlin. No, I'm giving it what I think tonight and giving it just what I view, what I think. And, and then let me also say this. I, I see some people treat their church as not essential because they're not involved. You know, folks, it's, I, I believe in church membership. I believe if you, if you find a church, you ought to join that church, but it's more than just joining. You ought to become a, a, an active member of that church. Just not so you can say, well, my name is on the roll at such and such church. Just so when they print your obituary, it says they were a member of so and so. No, you need to be an active part of that church, being involved. And it's more than just going, showing up on a Sunday morning. Get involved. Get involved. Now, my point tonight on this point is this. Some people already treat church as non-essential. They already treat it. They claim to be Christians, and yet they treat church as not essential. 
Now, let me ask you a question. What would you do if your church were to close tomorrow? You know, during this COVID-19 situation, one of the things that has concerned me, that has bothered me, that I have concerns about, is I wonder if there's any churches in our area that are going to close as a result of lack of support or the fact they can't get things going. I haven't heard of any here, but I have heard of two in another state already. I've heard of two that have contacted other churches and said, can we merge with you? Because they couldn't keep going because of the finances or building debts or something like that. And those churches have folded and have actually signed everything over to other churches. You know, and, 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 you know, and that concerns me. But what happens if our church were to close tomorrow? By the way, we have no plans of closing tomorrow. We have no plans. In fact, during this COVID, are you ready for this? We're talking about expanding our influence. We're talking about expanding not our influence necessarily, our ministry. I mean, when we get back into church, we're talking about adding some equipment to expand our online presence to make it better. And uh, But it's just stuff we'll have to talk about when we get back together as a church. But folks, what if though? What if? Would you be the loss? Ah, oh, well, church is not that important to me. That's the way some people believe it. But folks, the sad part about it is some, pe some people that call themselves Christians already treat church as not essential. Let me give you the second thing tonight, the second thought tonight. You said, Brother Scott, you're getting a little point blank tonight. Well, I'm just telling you what I think, sharing what I believe. Secondly, let me give you some Bible truths about the church. Some Bible truths about the church. And what I want to do real quick is I, I thought about where can I put this in the message because I want to say this. And so I thought, I just need to share some things about the church with you. Four truths I want to share with you about the church, and they're very simple and they'll be very quick. Number one, the church was started by Jesus himself. I don't know how many of you realize that. Jesus started the church when he was on earth. The first church was started by Jesus Christ. Think about that for a minute. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. He started the first church. I know a lot of people believe the church started on the day of Pentecost. I do not. I believe the church was empowered on the day of Pentecost. I believe, though, the church started when Jesus was on earth. And Jesus started the very first church. Did you catch that? When he called those disciples unto himself. He started that first church. So the church was started by Jesus himself. Number two, the second thing, Jesus loves the church. Ephesians 4.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. Did you catch that? The Lord loves the church. Now, let me tell you something. If Jesus loves the church, don't you think it ought to be important to us? Yes, he loves the church. The third thing I want you to understand tonight, Jesus owns the church. See, this church, this body of believers, doesn't belong to Brother Scott. It doesn't belong to our one deacon. It doesn't belong to our trustees. It doesn't belong to our church fellowship. This building doesn't belong to us. Yes, it's in the name of a corporation, but can I tell you who owns the church? Jesus does. He owns the church. And we know that because... Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 tells us that he bought the church. Now think about that for a minute. 
He bought the church. Acts 20 and verse 28, listen to the Bible. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Hey, how does Je- why does Jesus own the church? Because he bought the church. You know what the price or the payment for the church was? His shed blood on Calvary. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? His shed blood on Calvary. The church belongs to him. The church belongs to him. Think about that. He purchased it with his blood. And then number four, the Lord adds to the church. The Lord adds to the church. Now we get into the makeup of the church. But in Acts 2.47, it says, And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. See, the Lord adds to the church. Now, now think about that for a minute. The Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. You know who he's adding? When somebody gets saved, they are added or to be added to the church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 talks about on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000 who received the word and were baptized were added to the church. That tells us about the makeup of the church, the makeup of the church. The church is not a denomination. The church is not an organization. The church is the members. It's the believers that make up that congregation. Our church is called Whitley Memorial Baptist Church. But that it. it but that doesn't refer to the organization or the building or something like that. I know people will drive by and they'll say, there's Whitley Church. No, Whitley Church is here when the people are here. Did you catch it? The people are the church. Church is an assembly of believers. That's what a church is. Understand that. But understand that the church is special to the Lord. That's why I said all this, that it was started by Jesus himself, that he loves the church, he owns the church, and he adds to the church because the church is part of God's plan for this age. Think about it. So that's some Bible truths about the church. So number one, some Christians already treat the church as non-essential. Number two, we see some Bible truths about the church. But then number three, let me just say this. The church is essential. Church is essential. Did you catch that? Let me say it again. Church is essential. My friend, if you're a Christian, church is essential for you. Let me just point it down. Church is essential for you. Let me point my finger. Now, I know I got three pointing back at me. Church is essential for me. Church is essential for for you. It is essential for you and me. Now, why is church essential? That's the question that comes up right here. Why is church essential? Let me give you five reasons, and I'm going to be done. Five reasons. Number one, the instruction of Scripture. Do you notice what he said in Hebrews 10.25? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. In other words, you and I are not to forsake assembling together with other believers. You know, I know some people say, well, why do I go to church? Well, number one, the Bible tells us that we are to assemble together with other believers. So once we're out of this COVID-19 situation, and it is safe to do so, okay? And and in fact, we're going to open in a few weeks. We're going to open, and we are going to have limited things. We're going to have all kinds of things to hopefully try to make it safe. We're going to encourage people with pre-existing conditions to stay home. We're going to say, if you're sick, stay home. But if it's safe for you and you're a Christian, you know what? Assemble with other believers. But it's up to you on that point because of the present pandemic. But if the pandemic wasn't here, I'd tell you, you need to be here tomorrow. I mean, you need to be here today. You need to be here today. My friend, 
God's instructions are to assemble together. Number two, it's God's design. You say, what do you mean? For every believer to be part of a church. If you're saved, you are to become part of a group of believers. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, And they that gladly received His word were baptized in the same day. There were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They were joined unto the church there. They were made part of that church there. Acts 2, 47, And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. You look at Paul's missionary journeys. When Paul went out, he and Barnabas, then he and Silas, when they went out and preached the gospel, people got saved. You know what they did? They organized them into churches. Those believers became the church, the church, the church in Corinth, the church in Ephesus, the church in Thessalonica, the church in Colossae. You can go down the list, the church in Berea, the church in Antioch of the Pisidia, all those areas. They organized those believers that got saved in the church. You say, what do you mean by that? My friend, it's God's design when you get saved to become part of a church family and you need to be faithful to that church. Faithful to that church. Now, let me just insert something right here. Let me just say a word about the meaning of the word church. The word church in the Bible, the word church in the Bible means an assembly of believers. Now, in our day and age, it's gotten a little bit confused. But let me get you to understand this. The majority of times in Scripture, the majority of times, it refers to a local group of believers like we have right here at our church. A local group of believers. Another usage is it refers to all the saved. Now, i got to tell you, in our day and age, it bothers me a little bit. People have put the emphasis on all the saved when it ought to be, in the Bible, the local assembly of believers. Did you catch that? The local assembly of believers. Yes, when you're saved, you become part of the church that will meet in heaven one of these days. All the saved. But my friend in the Bible, the primary usage of the word church is for local groups of believers. So you can sit there and say, well, Brother Scott, I became part of the all the saved when I got saved. Yes, you did. But in the Bible, if you want to do it God's way, you need to be part of a local fellowship of believers. You need to be part of that. You know, when you get out of this COVID situation, let me encourage you. If you're in Nashville, come look us up. You know, if you're in another city, find you a church once we get out of the COVID situation. Once it's safe for you, like I said, if you've got a pre-existing condition, we're going to encourage people with pre-existing conditions to stay away until it's safe for them to be here. Are we going to put precautions in? Yes, we are. But understand, it, when it's safe, you need to be part of the church family. When it's safe. You know, too many today have this thing backwards. Let me give you another reason church is essential. For the encouragement and edification for one another. The encouragement and edification for each other. Folks, we need other believers. We are here to edify one another, to build each other up, to encourage one another. That's what we're here for. Acts 2.42 talks about having fellowship. You know, you go to here in our passage, he talks about exhorting one another, you know, coming near and encourage everybody to live for Christ and to do right and to go forward in their spiritual life. But we're here to edify each other, which is to build each other up and to give encouragement. I don't know about you, but I need the encouragement of other believers. I get so knocked down in the world, I need other believers to encourage me. I know sometimes people in church get sideways. I know some people sometimes in church get, uh, get goofy over things. You know, I've heard of churches go crazy over different things. You know, that's a sign of carnality right there. But folks, we ought to be trying to build each other up so we can be strong, mature believers in the faith. 
And then number four, the fourth reason church is essential for us is for spiritual growth. You know, there are three avenues of growth for the Christian, three avenues of growth. What are they? You are to be growing as a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're saved, you're to be growing, growing. You know what they are? Number one's the Bible. The Bible's your spiritual food. Number two is prayer. You need it for strength. You know what the third one is? It's church. Acts 2.42, and, uh, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued steadfastly. They stayed in church. They stayed there. Even when Ananias and Sapphira pulled their junk in Acts chapter 5, people stayed in church. They didn't give up just because somebody acted stupid. No, they stayed and they were faithful to what God wanted. You know, they were faithful. Faithful. Why? So that they can learn the Word of God and grow in their faith. Learn the Word of God and grow. See, church is an avenue for growth, for your spiritual growth. And then number five, to prepare for Christ's coming. I love Hebrews 10.25. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching, what day? The return of Christ. You and I need to be encouraging one another to live for Christ and to be a witness and follow Him. Why? Because Jesus is coming one of these days. He is coming one of these days. What am I trying to say? Child of God, Christian friend, church is essential for you and me. It is essential for you and me. It's essential. And one of these days, we're going to reopen, and we're going to encourage people to come when it's safe. You know, we're not going to jump the gun. I know some people say, just open the doors, Brother Scott. No, we're going to be safe. Uh, we're, going to do our, we're going to do our best to be safe. Let me say it that way. We're going to do our best. We'll have guidelines set up. And then when it's safe for you, we want to encourage you to come. And go to your church when it's safe for you. You know, I don't believe the Lord wants you to put your life in your hands. You say, how do you know that, Brother Scott? It's an act of faith. Well, really, in Acts chapter 8, when persecution came, the believers ran for their lives. You know what that was? That was part of the plan of God. But let me encourage you, though. Understand how essential church is for you. When I first got into ministry, the first church I ever pastored was a little church in Ocoee, Tennessee. It was a mission church. And uh, it was called Ocoee Valley Baptist Church. And it was a mission church out of Highland Park Baptist in Chattanooga. And I went out there, and the church didn't have a preacher. And it, it was a, uh, let me just tell you, it was a hole in the wall. It was an old store, and the store moved down the street. And it, uh, it, uh, it um, I think there were eight pews about six foot long or seven foot long. They were painted brown. And uh, it was, uh, I preached some of the craziest messages there. I even have some of them. I'm thinking, why did people come? But we'd run around 15 people, and I, I went out there and pastored that little church. And we would go visiting on Saturdays. To, uh, I was in college at the time, and we would go visiting. And I'll never forget one Saturday, I knocked on a lady's door that used to go to our church. Somebody gave me her name, and, and they didn't have records that I could find and of who attended there. And so, but... Uh, um, I knocked on this lady's door, and she said, well, I appreciate you coming by. She said, but I want you to understand. She said, yes, I'm part of that church. She said, but I'll go when it's convenient for me to go. Well, that kind of struck me funny. You know, and one thing about it was is she was wrong in what she said. But you know what? At least she was honest to me. 
she was honest, excuse me, honest with me. She said, I'll go when it's convenient for me. That's the way a lot of people treat church. Folks, church ought to be an integral part of your life if you're a Christian. Integral part. It's killing me not to be together right now. I want to be together with other believers. I want to shake their hand. I want to hug their neck. I want to joke with them. I want to cut up with them. I want to be together. I want to have men's prayer meeting again. But you know what? Until it's safe, we want to be careful. And so we'll open in a few weeks when it's safe. But right now, this is the best we have. So let me encourage you, even though you're still part of our church family, call one another, text one another, encourage each other, encourage one another. Is church essential? For the child of God, it is. My friend, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, won't you make Jesus your Savior tonight? Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Father, bless our families. Bless all those listening to us on the podcast and on Facebook. Meet every need they have and just do a work for us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week.